Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Tom Hartman here with you. But let me start out with Eric Karen. He's a former U.S. special agent and diplomat, the author of a new book, Switched On, The Heart and Mind of a Special Agent. His website switchedonlife.com. Eric, welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. It's a privilege to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So I have a quote from you that it's astonishing that after 9-11, the Democrat Party, I'm not sure what you're talking about there. There's no such thing as a Democrat Party is failing to see the gravity of an open border. They won't recognize the importance of border security even as MS-13 members pour into America. Just saw a 16-year-old boy being killed by MS-13 members. You realize MS-13 is a Los, it started as a Los Angeles street gang? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. So, so what, I, what I don't get here, well, lay out your case. Well, my case is simple, that this president recognizes the threat. He sees the threat matrix from transnational crime groups, i.e. MS-13 and the cartels operating in Mexico. And he sees the threat from state sponsors of terror, such as Iran, North Korea, Sudan, Syria, and what they're planning to do against us. And he sees the threat from the terrorist organizations as well that are internationally and as well as operating here in America. So he understands that without border security, we're doomed to repeat ourselves based on what happened on 9-11. And, you know, it's so you're suggesting that the 9-11 hijackers came across the southern border to get into this country? No, they came across the northern border. They flew in here on legal visas, every single one of them. Yeah, and they overstayed their visas. Right, so. but they all came through airports. How is building a wall on the southern border going to stop a 9-11? What terrorist, serious terrorist, you know, somebody who's, yeah. who has you know, resources, intelligence, as incompetence, you know, can think clearly and has some cash, as these guys did, what yes. person like that is going to crawl on his hands and knees across 100 miles of desert on the southern border when he can get on a damn airplane and buy a first-class ticket out of Saudi Arabia? By the way, speaking mm -hmm. of state sponsors of terrorism, as you well know, Saudi Arabia's mm -hmm. Wahhabism is the inspiration of ISIS. And Donald mm -hmm. Trump is sucking up to its murderous dictator, you know, because his son-in-law wants to borrow another billion dollars from them. But what terrorist in his right mind is going to crawl across the southern border when they could just fly into the United States on a first-class ticket? Well, Tom, we do know that terror organizations are operating in Central and South America. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, Eric. And you know who put them there? 
It was Ronald Reagan back in the 1980s. The Contras, he was feeding all kinds of money to the right-wing death squads. Elliot Abrams was feeding this stuff. Damn, I mean, you know, George Herbert Walker Bush almost went to jail for this if Bill Barr had not recommended that he pardon Abrams and Ollie North and Casper Weinberger and all those guys because they were the ones who were preparing to testify against him. It was a huge scandal. Front page of the New York Times all the way across the headlines on Christmas Day of 1992. Sure, no, there's, there's right-wing terrorists no. down there all over the place. That's why all these people are showing up on our southern border. They're fleeing that terror. Yes, and I think we also have to understand, Tom, the nexus between terror groups and the transnational crime groups. They're, in some cases, not all, but in some cases, they are, in fact, working hand in glove and supporting one another. Of course. So let's not forget that. Of course, but what does that have to do with why we need a wall on our southern border to stop terrorists who can get on a plane and fly, you know, Saudi Arabian Airlines or whatever the name of their carrier is. Yeah. Well, I think we need to harden all our ports of entry, not just our land borders, but our seaports as well. So how I do mean, you do that? You've got something like 5 million people, yeah. I believe, a month coming into the United States from foreign countries. It's been a long time since I've seen the numbers, but it's millions of people a month. They're coming into the United States on tourist visas, on business That's visas, right. on student visas, on work visas. Hell, Donald Trump is hiring them. He just applied for 20-some-odd new visas for his hotel and golf course in New Jersey because they busted him for having you know, illegal aliens working there for the last 18 years. I mean, he doesn't want to hire Americans. He wants to hire foreigners, and they come over here. How do you know that they're not terrorists? And what does, again, what does that have to do with building a wall? Well, we need to vet people who get on airplanes. We already do that. We need to do a better job with that. We need to screen containers that come into America for WMD agents. But what does that have to do with a wall? Well, because it's all part of a larger strategy to keep us safe, Tom. Because bad guys will go where it's soft. And so the president is listening to the men and women of law enforcement and saying, we need assets. You know, the what bad guys need, south of our border are not sitting around thinking, gee, you know, I'm a robber and I'm a rapist. I think I'll go to the United States to do my robbery and rape. No, they'd much rather do robbery and rape in Mexico, where it's a lot easier to get away with. Or for that matter, go into Guatemala, in Honduras or El Salvador, countries that Reagan and U.S. foreign policy ravaged and where they not only can get away with it, but the government will openly support them. They're not, Tom, com- they're not say, trying to Tom, figure out how to get to the United States. Tom, what do you say to the mother just last week whose son at 15 years old was murdered by MS-13 in Virginia, Maryland? You know, slaughtered, 100 times stabbed. I would say that it's really a shame that Ronald Reagan was pumping crack cocaine into Los Angeles back in the 80s, leading to the beginning of the MS-13 gang. Okay. If that's what you believe. It's documentable fact. I mean, it's, come on, Eric. I mean, terrible things are going to happen. But for you and Fox News and groups like this to take, you know, like that woman in San Francisco, it turns out the guy dropped the gun on the ground and accidentally shot her. But the illegal immigrant who killed What's-Her-Name, who turned into like this iconic character on Fox News, everybody who watches Fox News could repeat her name. I'm sorry, I can't remember it. I'm sure you know it. Yeah, I can't. No, I don't. Okay. But you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know, it's like you take the exception... We know that immigrants to the United States, illegal immigrants to the United States, and I'm no fan of illegal immigration. You know, when Ronald Reagan in 1986 stopped prosecuting wealthy white employers for hiring people who are in this country without documentation, prior to 86, we did not have a problem. 
Post-86, we've had a problem because he turned on this giant magnet. Now, we all know, looking back and looking back at the record and the documents that are available now, that Reagan did that in an attempt to destroy the unions, particularly in the construction and meatpacking industries. And he was successful. In less than a decade, those industries are basically de-unionized. And that was his goal. And he was successful. But no president since has started enforcing those laws. I think we should enforce those laws. Yes. Tom, but, you get no arguments from me on worksite enforcement. I did it. It's in my book. I arrested 361 legal aliens at a U.S. defense contract in 2007. And like I said, Trump, Trump, the Trump organization keeps hiring these people. But what we know about that illegal immigrant population is that they actually commit fewer crimes than native-born Americans. And so you can pick one or two crimes and try to imply that these people are robbers, rapists, and murderers. And certainly there will be a few among them, just like there are a few among any population. Yeah, but yeah, you I, know, to say that that's is is like saying because Jeffrey Epstein is a billionaire and a pedophile, all billionaires are pedophiles. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, Tom, I, I hear what you're saying. The stats regarding illegal immigration and the crime that they commit is kind of fuzzy, granted. But you know, I've seen numbers: five hundred homicides, a thousand homicides a year committed by illegal aliens. But you know what? At the end of the day, that's your son or daughter killed one illegal alien who commits a murder against someone. But it's, know, it's, it's, they're not committing the murder because they're an illegal alien. They're committing the murder because they're a murderer. We need to stop murderers. Well, here, I mean, you know, you've got murderers. They're here illegally, Tom. They weren't supposed to be in our country. You have a front door in your home, right, Tom? Well, you know, once again, once again, Eric, you're trying to suggest that people who come into this country illegally are doing so to commit crimes. And I'm not, not buying that. I mean, uh, you know, maybe the crime of working. Some of them are. Some of them are coming to America to work. I get it. I see it. But there are some, you have to admit, right, that there are many illegal aliens who come to America and make crime. You're crimes. talking about criminals. You deal with that through your criminal justice system. You're not going to... They if somebody is a well, real... You know, Eric, think about this for a second. I mean, just logic here. Okay. I'll give you the last minute. If somebody okay. is a true, let's say a serial killer, a genuine psychopath, bent on raping and murdering as many people as he possibly can, that's his yeah. goal. And he decide, and he's sitting around thinking, I think I'll go to the United States and commit these kinds of crimes. Why would he walk across 100 miles of desert when he could go to Tijuana and get a visa and drive across the border like literally a million people a day do in Tijuana? Tom, when people come to America illegally, they're committing not just immigration crimes, but they're... But not coming. the people who are coming through the desert, Eric. They're the desperate they're people. The stone-cold no killers are coming in on airplanes and by car. No doubt. But these people are coming in, and they're assuming the identity, in many cases, of U.S. citizens. They're purchasing to work. social security cards. Sure. They're getting licenses that are false. They're committing insurance fraud. I, you know, we should accident. stop all that stuff, Eric, and we should stop the magnet by putting white employers in jail. But I agree. You got no arguments for me. I outlined that in my book, Switched on the Heart and Mind of a Special Agent, when I arrested 361 illegal aliens at a U.S. defense contractor. Okay. Eric Karen, a former U.S. special agent and diplomat, author of a new book, Switched on the Heart and Mind of a Special Agent, switchedonlife.com is the website for his book. Eric, thanks for dropping by today. Hey, sir. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Good, good speaking with you. Jesse in Miami. Hey, Jesse, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's up? 
Hey, hi, Tom. Wow, the conversation you just had, it just really is an extension of racism. You just say all black people are lazy, they don't want to work, they just want free stuff. You just focus on that, then you have people believing it. But Right, and his version of it, his version of it is all these Mexicans, all these brown people, they're, they're just stone-cold killers and rapists. They focus on the lie. We just got to focus on be the simple child. Why? Why? Why does this happen? They don't have no answer to that. All they could do is respond. All right, I'm more my uh, main subject, but how do people get to go with, you know, magical thinking? Mm -hmm. We done lost the concept of thinking. Yeah, that's really the issue here, because it really is magical thinking to think that somebody who is coming to the United somebody who is competent, a competent killer who wants to come to the United States and kill people is going to cross 100 miles of god-awful desert in order to do it when they can just show up at the border. And the thing is, why would they do it? And why would you just want to smear that one person versus a whole society? It's obvious they're trying to keep off the main subject of why the people come here, why people commit crime, so they just focus on the crime itself. The lady in New Zealand is talking about banning assault rifles. Now, I don't want to get into that, but... The real reason is, why does these mass shootings happen? It reminds me of the death squads in South America. They're just terrorizing the population to keep them thinking, hey, what's the reason for this? Instead of just... And Jesse, you know, apropos of your opening point, if you look at the photographs from the 80s of those death squads, that it appears John Negropati and people like Elliot Abrams were like, you know, giving a little tip of the hat to. If you look at the photos of the death squads and then you look at the photos of the people that they were killing, the death squads were mostly European ancestry people from El Salvador, and the people they were killing were mostly Native ancestry, Native American ancestry, indigenous people. Yeah. And that was as much a race, racist war as any what Reagan was fighting in Central America. Yeah. I agree, but the thing is, how can we get people to stop thinking magically? And the only way is to go to the root of the problem, because if you just go to the root of the problem, well, why do people do that? Then they're going to have to start thinking. But if you just go to knee-jerk reaction, they say, oh, well, that's the answer. Just like right. they hit the computer, they forget how to write or even how to count without the computer. I mean, we just losing the whole concept of think because we're not going to the roots. Yeah. I think that, you know, your concept of magical thinking is just, you know, so spot on, Jesse, and this is the problem. Thanks for the call. The people who are showing up, quote, illegally at the border are people who are seeking refuge. There's people who are seeking asylum. They're desperately looking for an opportunity to flee from these death squads that Ronald Reagan installed in Central America in the 1980s. Ronald Reagan, Ollie North, Elliot Abrams, uh, you know, all these guys, John Negroponte, they installed and supported and subsidized these right-wing death squads. And by the way, now there's just came out this documentary about how Jair Bolsonaro, the new president of Brazil, climbed his way to the top on the back of right-wing militia death squads as is happening in the Philippines right now with Trump's other good buddy where he's got a Trump Tower, Duterte. Or as is happening in Turkey right now with Trump's other good buddy, Mr. Erdogan, who told him, you know, also where Trump has a Trump Tower. And Erdogan calls him up and says, you need to pull out of Syria. Oh, yes, sir. Sir, yes, sir. 
This is just like craziness. This is like crazy magical thinking. It's just mind-boggling. And where do we go with this? You're listening to Tom Hartman. If you're like me, then safeguarding your money through market downturns is a clear priority. And frankly, we've seen enough market volatility to make any investor nervous. For people like us who think outside the box and read between the lines, it's becoming even more clear that the insider secret of accumulating physical gold is becoming a lot less of a secret and more of a trend. According to the World Gold Council, in 2018 alone, central bank gold purchases increased by over 74%. The bottom line is that we are starting to see the cracks forming in our economy. And the faster you take action, the better your opportunity. There's only one company I personally recommend in this industry, and that's the expert strategists at ITM Trading. They specialize in wealth protection and opportunity positioning. Both, as you know, are imperative in our current economic climate. Call my friends at ITM Trading at one 888 gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and hedge your bets like the top 1% do. Call one 888 gold That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one 888 gold Ramon in San Francisco. Hey, Ramon, what's on your mind? Thanks for listening to 910 Oh, thank you, Tom, for the opportunity to address you. I was listening to Eric, and he doesn't know that in the 1980s here in San Francisco, the police captured the Menezes brothers. They were Nicaraguan nationals working for the Contras. And believe it or not, uh, they were released along with their load of cocaine so they can just go on. Wait a minute, the Menendez brothers who murdered their parents? Menezes. No, no, Menezes brothers. They are the ones who were working for the Contras. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Menezes. Okay. Eventually, they flew to Nicaragua, and they were captured by the Sandinistas, and I think they're still in jail in Nicaragua. Yeah. And my point is that if you want the people from Central America to stop coming into this country because they are desperate, of course, what they got to do is accept that we created a problem with Ronald Reagan. Let's invest money up there. They need water, Tom. They need housing. They don't have it. They live miserably. That's, right. That's one of the reasons why they come to. There's no food on the table. That's right. And by the way, they're being whacked by global warming now, Ramon. You're seeing yes. desertification happening across Central America. Exactly, yeah. Tom. And we could do a lot. Instead of building that wall, why don't we go and put a couple of billion dollars in Central America and I bet you. People, Amen. They won't come here. Amen. You're singing my song. I've been, yeah, I have been saying this for a long, long time. We broke those countries. It's our responsibility to rebuild them, or at least provide the funds so that they can rebuild You're themselves. Listening to the Tom Hartman program. Nicholas in San Cristobal, Mexico. Hey, Nicholas, what's up? Mr. Hartman, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I'm not calling to correct you in any way because feel you, free. As, as, <laughs> no, as always, as always, you pretty much nail it. But when we talk about the death squads in Guatemala, specifically, for example, mm -hmm. and uh, the installation of many of them by the Reagan and during that era, I think what we need to remember is that it goes much, much, much further back than Reagan. Oh, it goes and back it to was, the 1700s. It goes back to the Monroe Doctrine. Well, I'm thinking more, more modern times. And it was Eisenhower who first interfered in Central America in the modern era. Mm. and employed none other than Edward Bernays, Freud's nephew, who used Freudian psychology to manipulate the American public and renamed propaganda 
as public relations. Right. And it was the yeah, and it was the United Fruit Company that was having problems, of course, in Nicaragua because Jacob Arbenz, the newly elected leftist president, wanted to not nationalize necessarily the United Fruit Company's enterprises, but wanted fairer treatment of the workers, et cetera, et cetera. And Eisenhower and hired Bernays, the public relations expert, to go and convince the American people that communism was on our doorstep, installed death squads, and murdered thousands upon thousands of Guatemalans. And we need to remember that Eisenhower was, you know, no saint either, that it wasn't just sure. Reagan. Sure. Thank you for that history, Nicholas. You're absolutely right. And I would add, by the way, Edward Bernays was the guy that was hired by Democratic President Woodrow Wilson to As sell well. World War I to the American people. This was when public relations yeah. was literally invented, was in the 19-teens right. by, by Bernays and, and Bernays uh, with the help himself. of... Right. Have, and, you watched the, have you watched the documentary, The Century of the Self? Yes. Yeah. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Bernays Adam. Adam. Whatever his last name is, things. he did like three or four of those that are all equally yeah. mind-boggling. Nicholas, mind-boggling. I, I need to move along, but thank you. Thanks for uh, filling out the history there. You know, it's uh, yeah. Okay. So it's two Republican presidents. Although there were some yeah. Democrats that didn't comport yeah. themselves all that well. You know, Lyndon Johnson didn't back away from that, and and look, God. Nope. You know, look at what he did in, in Vietnam. Anyhow, Nicholas, nope. I got to move along. Say what? been a very long, ugly history. Yeah. Amen. Nicholas, thanks for the call. By the way, check this video out. This is uh, floating around on YouTube. I have not authenticated this, but it has been reported from several sources as being accurate. I'm assuming that it is, but let me just put that caveat on here. We don't know exactly you know, the provenance of this thing. But it's, like I said, it's floating all over social media. This is a woman at a, an event at which Steve Bannon was giving a speech. Never in my life did I think I would like to see a dictator, but if there's going to be one, I want it to be Trump. And if you're not watching, Steve Bannon is applauding her and the room stands up and gives her a standing ovation. Never in my life did I think I'd want to see a dictator, but if there's going to be one, I want it to be Trump. This is scary stuff. John in Stamford, Connecticut. Hey, John, what's up? Um, Listen to your program and... um I'm a little disappointed. I mean, you're saying that the criminals don't want to travel across 100 miles to kill people. No, they don't want to do that. They want to cross over and have a good life like everybody else. But you've got to admit that there's good people and bad people crossing. And the bad people will cause crime in this country. Uh, I mean, it's not that simple that, yeah, no, nobody's going to cross 100 miles to kill people. They'll kill them wherever they want to kill them. I think you just made my point, John. I'm not sure why you think you're debating me. Well, because they come over for a good life like everybody else. Sure. If a person is a good person, he's a good person. Yeah, part of that good life is killing people. You know, that's that's what they're up to. You know, I get that. But what am I missing here? Well, you're missing the fact that, you you know, that no criminals come across the, the, the border illegally. You know, what I was saying is professional criminals are not going to cross no, the border illegally. No, no, not illegally. professional. That's a different story. No, professional, there's no hitman or nothing. Well, that's so what, I, I don't mean necessarily people who do it, who have other people pay them, but, Look, you know, people who, right, are, people, who are, people who are looking to make a living in ways that are criminal or people who want to harm other people are, A, going to grab the low-hanging fruit, which is going to be in South and Central America, or B, if they decide they they want to come to the United States to do this, they're in all probability not going to be the desperate 
you know, ragtag bands of refugees who are trying to come across the border. My point is that the border wall is, you know, the, the main the main thing that Donald Trump is saying is that we need to build his wall to stop criminals, gang members, rapists and drug dealers from coming into the United States. And what I'm saying is that gang members, rapists, drug dealers and criminals, if they want to come into the United States, they're not going to cross the desert. That's what desperate people do. That's what dispossessed people do. Um, those folks, the, you know, the, the, that former category of bad guys, they're going to show up along with a million other people every day in one of the normal border crossings. Or they're going to fly into the United States. That's my point. John, thanks for the call. I, I, you know, apparently we're not going to convince each other of anything on this. How should we be looking at this? I think that it's really important to call out Donald Trump and the Republican Party's essential racism on this. This is what they're using, fear. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Chris in Irvine, California. Hey, Chris, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thank you. I wanted to make a couple of points about the demonization of South American immigrants. Mm Mm-hmm. When you use the term illegal aliens, that's a dehumanizing. I agree. And when I'm using my own language with my own people, I will say mm. undocumented, you know, people who are undocumented. Immigrants. Or, uh, undocumented immigrants. Yeah. Well, they're technically not an immigrant if they haven't applied for immigration status. But, uh, <laughs> you know, undocumented aliens, undocumented persons. You know, I get that. And I've, and I've gotten okay. that for years and years. But, you know, okay. if somebody's using that language, I'm going to use that language back. Okay. so that they get my point, rather than trying okay. to just get into semantics with them. So my second point, so even if we could stop all future criminals, if we could foresee the future and say, you know, at some point you're going to rape somebody, stop all future criminals from entering the U.S., we wouldn't make a dent in the violence that exists in this country because we, American citizens, homegrown, <laughs> are more violent than they are. Yeah, one of the numbers that is lacking, and it's probably out there, and I just have missed it, Chris, but, and if anybody has it or knows where to find it, send it to us, is what percentage of crime in the United States is committed by people who are here without documentation? I'm right. guessing it's... But we it's, do know that they're statistically less violent than we are. That's right. And there's so little concern by these people about the white supremacist shooters and other homegrown violent criminals that we foster here. Right. So that's if it's, how you can if tell it's, that it's racism that's underlying the motivation and not actually safety of the, of the public. Right. If we have, say, uh, 11 million people here without documentation, and there's 340 million people roughly in the United States, but 11 million people is... Three percent. I'm not a math person. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am not either. Unfortunately, I think that's roughly three percent of the population of, of the United States is people who are here without documentation. And if they were committing crimes at the same rate as American citizens, you would have three percent of our crime rate caused by those folks. And I'm guessing that it's less than one percent. Yeah. I just wanted to say that I think that the legitimate insecurities and fears that people have about the state of the world and our future are being hijacked and directed into racism by the right-wing media. Yes. And that's why it falls apart the moment you start to question, because it really just comes down to racism. Yeah. And racism comes down to hate and fear, this kind of born-at-the-hip twins, you know, these twin emotions Mm -hmm. that feed each other. Throw out some hate, and then you throw out some fear, and then you throw out some hate, and then you throw out some fear. And they kind of bind in the amygdala, the fight or flight part of the brain, they both have the same effect. And Trump telegraphs the hate and he explicitly proclaims the fear. 
And yeah, well, it goes back way before Trump. To oh, the, obviously. You know, Rupert Murdoch has been making millions off of this his whole life. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. You know, it goes back to yellow journalism in the United States. I mean, it goes back to the founding of the Republic. It goes back to John Adams and the Alien and Sedition Act. Chris, I got to run. I'm sorry. Uh, but thank you for the call. Tom Harbin here with you. Frank in Caldwell, Idaho. Hey, Frank, what's on your mind? I was wanted to talk to you about this open borders garbage you're talking about. If they're going to have a civil war, it's going to be because of people like you. I don't know anybody who's advocating open borders, Frank. Do you? Can you name one person? Well, yeah, who's you, in... you don't want, don't Actually, Frank, I do know one person who's in are. favor of open borders. Ron Paul. The libertarians believe that there should be no borders to labor, that anybody should be able to work anywhere in the world. And the libertarians are a subset of the Republican Party. So Ron Paul and Rand Paul are in favor of open borders. But I don't know of any Democrat who is. Do you? You sound like you are. I'm not in favor of open borders. I said just a few minutes ago on this program, if you don't have borders and you don't defend your borders and you don't have citizenship and you don't use citizenship, you don't have a country. Well, then why are you defending the illegal man here? What I'm saying, Frank, is that the argument from the last hour, this guy came on and he said, you've got people who are coming to this country and they are working illegally and some of them are committing crimes and therefore we need to build a wall. And what I said to him was, Building a wall is not going to stop criminals from coming into the United States, and it's not going to stop people who come here to work. You want to stop people who are coming here to work? Start throwing rich white employers in jail like we did before 1986 when Reagan stopped doing that. That'll stop people from coming here to work if there's no work for them, number one. And number two, if you want to stop criminals, build your criminal justice system. The worst thing you can do if you want to stop criminals, particularly among the undocumented, the community of undocumented immigrants, is to say that we're going to send ICE in if you call and try to turn in your neighbor who's in the process of robbing somebody's house. Frank, if a person in this country without documentation, if what you would call an illegal alien was in this country and they were breaking into your house right now, and one of your neighbors was also an illegal immigrant, would you want them to be afraid to call 911 and turn that person in because they were afraid that ISIS was going to show up? Neither one of them should be here. I had my father killed by the illegal. I had a nephew killed by I, the illegal. I agree that people who are not citizens in this country should not be here without a visa, without some sort of documentation. They should not be here and illegally. I believe we should deport every one of them. Fine. Good luck. You started out by saying that I'm here supporting um, open borders. I'm not. Frank. Well, they don't call them undocumented. Call them what they are. They're illegals. Well, they're performing an illegal act by being here. You can use that language if you want. It doesn't matter, Frank, what language we're using. What we're talking about here are human beings on the one hand and policies that make countries or don't make countries on the other hand. And I realize that Steve Bannon is essentially saying the same thing. But I think that it's true that when Europe did the Schengen zone and they said, okay, anybody can travel from any country to any other country, anybody can work in any country, we're basically not going to have countries anymore, we're going to call it the Eurozone, that that was a prescription for disaster because individual countries couldn't control their labor forces. It wasn't about race, although that's the way that Bannon is playing it. It wasn't about religion, although that's the way Bannon is playing it. It's about economics. And exactly what I was predicting would happen back 20 years ago when they initiated this stuff is what has happened. People from the poorest countries in Europe are flooding the wealthy countries in Europe, and now people in the wealthy countries in Europe are starting to react to that economic hurt. And then people like Steve Bannon come along and say, oh, it's the brown people, don't you know? 
just like white people in America are responding to Ronald Reagan's policies of deunionizing the country, of wiping out the unions. You know, when Reagan came to office, a third of America was unionized, which meant two thirds of working people in America had the equivalent of a good union job with good pay, paid vacations, pension plans, health benefits, the whole the whole thing. And Reagan destroyed that. Reaganism okay, has completely destroyed this. Let's get back to our conversation. And as a consequence of that, you got a lot of people who are scared to death, and then bigots come along and say, well, you know who's taking your job? It's that brown guy from Mexico. That's who you he should hate. Here. Exactly. But who's hiring him? It's, it's a rich white guy. It's a rich white guy. It's Donald country. Trump at, at the Doral Country Club hiring people from out, who are not here with documentation. It is Donald Trump's big donors in the construction industry who are hiring people here without documentation. It's Donald what Trump's big... What does that have big, to do with our conversation? What's our conversation, Frank? Our conversation is, is get rid of the illegals and quit supporting them being here. They're so illegals. They are foreigners if, in America. If, they have no right to be Frank, here. If you want somebody who came to this country for a job not to be here, take away the job. I don't want them. I don't want them. They need to be so, ran out so of this country. So, Frank, join my call to start putting people like Donald Trump and, and Don Trump Jr., who had years of text message correspondence with a guy who was in this country without documentation running his country club. Put those people in prison. Join my call to put Donald Trump Jr. in jail right now for hiring people who are here without documentation. Will you do that? Why are we talking about Trump? We're talking about illegals. I'm talking about rich white guys who are exploiting people who are just desperate to get a better job, who are are trying to improve themselves. Frank, I, I get it. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Turning on ExpressVPN protection takes only one click. Using ExpressVPN, I can safely surf even on public Wi-Fi without having my personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com tom. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom to learn more. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Steve in Albuquerque. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind today? I've lived in a border state in New Mexico for most of my life. I'm your age, and... I'd like to address people like Frank that you just spoke with when it comes to the political and financial benefits of wealthy people in this country that have been hiring these people for most of my life. I've worked with these people that don't speak English. They've been hired by state and local governments, whether they're truck drivers, carpenters, landscapers, working to plant uh, the fiber optics that they're upgrading with the phone companies and the computer companies. It's just 
saturated, and it's been going on my most of my life that I've lived here. If, Ever he since live- 1986, when Reagan stopped enforcing the law against hiring people who are undocumented, it and, just threw the doors open. It with, with little Cuba and Miami when uh, Castro released all of the people from prisons and stuff and allowed them to migrate to America. This is always to keep the working man down, provide plenty of cheap labor. These people, they will work hard and they will provide a lot of profit for the white contractors that hire them. Right, and by and large, they're good and decent people. And we do need immigration into the United States. Prior to the Trump administration, we had averaged around a million illegal immigrants a year. That's what we've been averaging for the last couple of decades. And Trump, I guess, has has cut that back substantially. But, you know, it seems like at a million immigrants a year, we're, we're in a comfortable place, you know, but and we need comprehensive immigration reform to make all this work. But the way that Reagan's set us on this path is not good for us. It's not good for the immigrants. Well, even with NAFTA and even before NAFTA, you've had, they come up and down the main highways to bring produce from Mexico. Do you know how much sure. produce we buy from them? It's oh, amazing. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It's a benefit financially, and it's benefit for the political right because they can have a contractor who's white hire two or three dozen of these guys to build homes and landscape them and do all the work, and they write it off as expenses, and they pay them under the table. Right, and who keeps the profit? The you rich white it. guy. Yeah, you got exactly. It. Thank you, Tom. Steve, thank you for the call. Anyway, Rudy in Riverdale, Georgia. Hey, Rudy, what's up? Knocked it out of the park, the guy before me, because... When I listen to people like Frank, this is where we are. We have to keep fighting and try to keep educating people because, Tom, I travel the heart of Florida every week, twice a week. And when I tell you that in the heart of Florida there are more Mexicans than than, than white people, believe me, these people are picking oranges, peppers, everything, Tom. And I can count on one hand the number of white people that I see out in those fields. Yep. So I, I'm just saying. And the response to that, Rudy, from the Republican right, this is from like the Eisenhower right, has always been, but, you know, if we actually had American citizens picking these crops, we would have to pay them more, and then the price of food would go up. And my response to that is, okay, fine, so the price of food goes up. Let's raise the minimum wage and make everybody uh, you know, able to afford food. But we shouldn't yeah. be depending for our food upon an exploited class of people, whether they're indigenous citizens, whether they're, whether they're people who, you know, who are born in this country, or whether they are immigrants from another country. Just the, you know, the idea of creating an economic system that, that depends on the exploitation and then a double level of exploitation. If somebody's in this country without documentation, they're scared to death constantly, right? And, and so the employer has even more power over them. It's just wrong. It's sad, Tom, because the guy you had on, I think it was yesterday or yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. And he was explaining, basically, white America just going to have to stop being lazy and just stop taking for granted their freedoms because what's going to eventually happen is every freedom that a white man has ever fought for he's going to eventually lose it the way he's conducting himself right now it certainly you, seems you, to be going in that direction really you can't have it both ways yep. you can't i mean you, you're just going against the law of gravity you can't have it both ways yep 
And I think this is one of the lessons that the world learned from, you know, South Africa, the experience of South Africa. And we need to get this behind us. I saw that Elizabeth Warren has started talking about reparations, that we need to have a serious conversation in this country about reparations. We need to clean up our past. And then we also yeah. need to be dealing with our present. And by in the present, I'm talking about this thing about people from south of the border coming here, whether as refugees or whether to work, being, and then being demonized by Fox News and by the president of the United States. All of that stuff has racism at its core, and we need to clean that stuff up. Rudy, I need to move along, but thank you for the call. Gabe in Glen Ellen, Illinois. Hey, Gabe, what's up? I want to answer Mr. Fran, Frank or Fred, whatever, uh, mm-hmm. to you like Frank. 10 minutes ago. You know, I'm in this country for 25 years. I'm illegal, and I'm white. I'm from Europe. And I feel very bad for all the Mexicans, for all the Latinos, for anyone coming from south of the border, because you know what? I came 25 years ago because your government let me so easy to come here. I apply. I didn't have even uh, to apply for a visa. I went to the consulate. I say I like to visit United States. They put me 10 years visa, hmm. 10 year visa. I came to United States in 94 to watch the, you know, the soccer in Atlanta. I know people, I'm an engineer, construction engineer, and they say, why you go back there? I give you a job here. I have two businesses now. I'm working for union. I have social security. I have pension. I have everything legal, but I'm not legal. And basically, you're able to get away with that, in quotes, not to cast aspersions on you, Gabe, but essentially, because you're white, nobody's noticing you. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. That's what I want to tell Mr. Fred, you know. And like you say, a lot of people coming from different countries, easy, with visa, they stay, they stay over the visa, but because they are white, nobody pay attention to them. Yeah. I have my social security, I have my driver license in my pocket, I stop with the cops, cops stop in the street, I talk nicely, talk nice to me. Uh, census in 2000, when the census come to my house and see $500,000 house in Glen Ellen, they told me, they, they told me, citizen, I don't have to tell them yes or no, they say citizen, and they mark themselves on the census, citizen. I was looking to my wife and say, yeah, I'm citizen, why not? Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I got the it. races, the races in this country start right when Mr. Trump, you know, took the office because I never feel even on my skin. I never feel so bad in this country till now. Now is so much pressure. Now is so much stress. Everybody is angry. Everybody is, you know, it's like you are afraid to talk. If they find a little bit you are don't, you don't speak correctly English or you do something, everybody look at you. There was not such a thing before. There was nothing in 2000, 2001, 2003. Doesn't matter. I didn't vote. I cannot vote. But there was not no stress like now. Now people are getting crazy. Yes, you're absolutely right, Gabe. They really are. Thank and you very much, Tom. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Tom, for you, for Goldman, for everything, for Michelle in the morning. You guys are great. Great. Thank keep you, Gabe. Good, keep the good job. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for I your call. I have one year. I yeah. have one more year till my my daughter is 21, and I will be citizen in, in one year. And wow. I'm fine. Thank you. Congratulations, yes. Gabe. Thank you for the Thank call. You, uh, you know, amazing. Lisa in Sutherland, Oregon. Hey, Lisa, what's up? Oh, hi, Tom. It's like continuing education with you. You need to be broadcast. You need to have your own show on Fox News. <laughs> um, but I kind of think they're scared of you. Well, that's but, that's why they got rid of Alan Combs. They just they really don't want dissenting voices unless they're incompetent dissenting voices. And, you know, that's the tragedy that the, the Democrats that they allow on Fox News tend to be the ones who kind of fall all over their own feet. You know, yeah, but. well, you know, I wondered if you could illuminate for me. I'm a little confused about the School of the Americas, where we exported torture schools in South America. And I'm not sure if it was 
uh, during the Pinochet regime in Argentina or during the Iran-Contra. It was all of the above, Lisa. I would have to go back and Google it to find out when the School of the Americas started. It's near Fort Benning, Georgia, as I recall. But we have been training allies, the military of allies, I think since the 50s. Amy Goodman spoke of this uh, on her program, and, uh, but also I met the, uh, the photojournalist for the democratically elected Colombian president. I, his name escapes me now. Mm-hmm. And uh, she mentioned the School of the Americas as uh, one of the primary problems as far as, like, uh, dividing the people, teaching them how to torture their right. own people, and so on and so forth, and all of the corruption around that. Now, I'm not sure. I think Henry Kissinger might have been the architect. I think this happened before Kissinger, although he might have weaponized it. But isn't it bizarre that we have an entire school devoted to teaching people from south of the border how to run a military and how to run a police department, funded by our government, but we don't have a school devoted to teaching them how to run a democracy? You would think that, that we would be promoting democratic rather than authoritarian values, but that's not the case, tragically. Lisa, thank you for the call. Tom Hartman here with you and Mark watching Free Speech TV in Hot Sulphur Springs, Colorado. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Tom. I've been wanting to call you for a long time, long-time listener. I just wanted to call about the border since we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. My gr- grandparents bought land on the Mexican border in California in about 1928. Mm-hmm. Lived within walking distance of Mexico. I've lived in Arizona. I'm basically on the border my whole life, and I find that basically walking across the border is something that very, very few people do. And right about now, the rattlesnakes will be coming out, and for the next two or three months, it'll be plumb dangerous out there in the dark. Mm. The next thing, aside from that, smuggling, I smuggled when I was a 19-year-old, and we went through a border. Mm-hmm. We went right through a crossing. That's the way it's done. I'm a retired gangster, and I'm very retired. So you had some drugs in your pocket or something like that, and because you were white, you just walked through the border. Is that what you're yeah, saying, Mark? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have it in our pocket, but we'd take an ounce across the border at a time, and that sure. made me a nice fat living because I couldn't earn one. Yeah. Now, the other side, you've been talking about uh, Ronald Reagan getting the construction unions. <laughs> I'd spent 10 years struggling in uh, food production, packaging, I finally found a good job for me. I apprenticed myself as a hot tar roofer in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I worked like a Marine Corps grunt for three years, got my journeyman card, and Reagan got elected. <laughs> and that was the end of that, it was huh? Pretty much, it wasn't long. Yeah. It wasn't long, and my middle-class living that I struggled for so long to get went away. At any rate, I moved to Arizona because my folks had, because it was cheaper to live there. And it's a right-to-work state. And I went to work there 20 hours a week as a roofer making $6 an hour. Well, I'd been making 21-something in the union. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe you earn every penny of that. But be that as it may, I couldn't make a living. I had a guy offer me $1,000 a week. I was living with my parents. $1,000 a week to be his bodyguard. Hmm. He sold drugs to uh, topless dancers. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't make a living. I was living with my mom and dad. I said, man, I'm 31 years old. I can't be living with mom and dad. Yeah. So I took the job, and it was great, and I did six years of that, and then I fell in love, got married, and quit all of that. 
So what's the point uh, of this but, whole story yeah. here, Mark? Okay, the other point is, is about the border. MS-13, I remember them tagging in Orange County, California. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a gang that started in, in Los Angeles. 20s. It started in L.A. Yeah. in the 80s. Right, and I remember seeing a tag in Placentia, which is just about 20 miles away. Yeah. And I wondered, with the MS-13, you know, I was a biker. So 13 was like, that stands for M, which stands for pot, which I wondered who they were. Uh... Well, Never been really afraid of them in the West. Yeah, Mark, I got, I got, I got, I got to pull a plug on this. But thanks for the call, and you know your story of your union experience. We used to live in a house with several other people, and one of the people living there was a guy who was a construction worker. He had a great union job, and then along came Reagan, and like you say, that was the end of that. Does your current office chair support you? I mean, if you're lucky, maybe it goes up and down, but can you sit in it for hours before it becomes uncomfortable? You know, I I broke my back skydiving back when I was 20 years old, and finding a good chair has been a lifelong struggle. The X chair has this dynamic variable lumbar support. They call it DVL. The X chair's DVL was designed to adjust to you, and every other part of the chair can be custom adjusted to fit you. That's why the X chair is equally supportive, whether you're 5'2 and 110 or 6'4 and 250. And now with the introduction of the X basic model, there's an X chair for every body type and every budget. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and pay as little as 30 bucks a month. Take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. X-Chair's on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchairtom.com now and use the code XWHEELS and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels with your chair. xchairtom.com. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, new book by Ellen Ratner. Speaking of Ellen Ratner, she is on the line. Ellen, what's going on in the world today? Well, thank you so much. Well, it's really interesting. Disney closed at 12.02 Eastern Time uh, to to buy Fox Entertainment. Now, Fox itself, the news channel and the sports channel, etc., is going to be under Fox. And they have asked former Speaker... uh, uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan uh, to be among the four appointees on the board of directors of their newly established public company. Now, I, w- I wanted and to talk to you about this, Ellen, because you worked for Fox for years and years and I years. I for 21 years. Yeah, and I think you just uh, just recently did not renew your contract. And right. my understanding is that noon yesterday, a new company that is owned by the Murdoch family also, but is now being run by Lachlan Murdoch, who up to this point had been running things like National Geographic, which has been running some right. great documentaries on climate change and things. That Lachlan Murdoch, who apparently is not the crazed ideologue, but more interested in making no, he's money. definitely not. And yeah. apparently he wants to move Fox more towards the middle. Right. So he's taken over Fox News. And meanwhile, Sean Hannity seems to be freaking out uh, that Fox News may end up not supporting Donald Trump any longer. And I, I would also think if I was Lachlan Murdoch, I'd, you know, which way is the wind blowing? Oh, it's not blowing in the way in the direction of Donald Trump. Time to back right. away from this crazy guy and start embracing exactly. the old Paul Ryan kind of Republicans. Listen, money is the bottom line there for sure. So do you think that in the next few weeks, next few months, next few years, or are they going to wait until after the election, that we're going to see a noticeable, measurable, significant change, meaningful change well, in Fox's ideology? Before and, the election in 220, but I don't know how soon before the election in 220. That's just my guess. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating stuff. Keep us up to date on that, okay? Okay. Now, also, this is an honest 
whatever. I'm on the American Advisory Board of Reporters Without Borders. But it's very interesting that apparently there was a State Department presser via telephone, and they only invited media that was faith-based. Now, I happen to know for absolute fact that AID, which is run through the State Department, had a faith-based group that was just NGOs, non-government organizations. So clearly they are pushing faith-based as opposed to the way it used to be under Bush, under Clinton, and under Obama, which was nonpartisan. Right. And my understanding is that the faith-based reporters that Mike Pompeo allowed into his press conference, none of those religions that were represented by those religious media outlets uh, represented Islam or Hinduism or, you know... No, it was only Christian. And presumably Jewish or not? I don't think Jews were allowed, frankly. I really don't. I don't know. But I, I... My guess is that it was Christian. I know that the State Department, uh, USAID, was Christian. That I do know. Wow. Okay. What else is up? Okay. Now, (laughs) uh, the other thing is the president uh, is going to uh, uh, Lima, Ohio today. Uh, This is the Army's only tank plant that is left, and he's going to be talking. It's going to be when you're off the air. Uh, But his remarks... Uh, are going to be on the Pentagon budget and the need for the Pentagon budget. And so that is going to be happening today. Okay. Uh, he's in, uh, as I said, Ohio, the great state of Ohio, which is, of course, where I'm from. But, however, uh, this is really very interesting. He's going to be talking about why it's so important to have this budget uh, supported by the Pentagon, et cetera. Give yeah, I saw break. Robert Lighthizer's op-ed in the Washington Post in support of the, you know, kind of setting this up. I don't know if you, right. if you caught well, that. Well, then the White House put out something today about it, too, mm. yeah. even before the president's remarks. Yeah. Okay. Now, the president also tweeted out this morning about George Conway. This is Kellyanne's husband, who is, by the way, a Republican. He's definitely not a Democrat. It says George Conway, often referred to as Mr. Kelly Conway by those who know him, is very jealous of his wife's success and angry that I, with her help, didn't give him a job he so desperately wanted. I barely know him, but take a look, a a stone-cold loser and husband from hell. That's what he said about him. Take a look at him, like his face would tell you that. Is that, might that be because George Conway is, I believe, half Filipino? Right. I is mean, this a racial comment a that Donald Trump is making That's about right. Kellyanne Conway's husband? I, I have no idea why he does what he does. Believe you me, if I knew what he did and I could be in his brain for just one minute, I'd have uh, a lot more to say. Yeah, I guess. If you survived okay, it. Okay, <laughs> now, there is an interesting thing that a Senator Johnny Isaacson, who's a Republican from Georgia, mm. said the president's targeting of John McCain drives him crazy. He said the country deserves better, the McCain family deserves better. I don't care if he's president of the United States, owns all the real estate in New York. I, you know, I'm guessing I guess, Johnny Isaacson is not up for re-election next year. Actually, I didn't look at that. But yeah. It seems like the only Republicans who are willing to challenge Trump are the ones who are not worried about a primary. Right. Well, my guess is that you're probably right. He, yeah. he was probably elected two or four years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Amazing stuff. Ellen Ratner with TalkMediaNews.com. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you. Great talking with you. It's brought to you by GhostForTheOldGoat.com and Ellen's new book, Loving What You Do. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? 
Hey, not too much, Tom. I just wanted to agree with you. I think this is the start of his, uh, President Trump's campaign. But I just wanted to add to it a little bit. Much to my fear, I don't think um, we can really rely on Democrats because, I mean, I don't blame them. This has just become too political. I heard a couple of interviews with Kamala Harris. She would not commit to saying whether or not Donald Trump should be impeached. She said she has information from her Intelligence Committee stuff, and she won't comment on that. And then um, there was also a guy, Mark Kirkonen. He presents himself as a unbiased, non-political immigration expert, and he says that Democrats are chasing their captain Ahab against yeah. this wall. Anybody who and, claims, Dave, you know, that they are non-political and non-partisan and don't swim in political waters, and then they're an expert on one of these topics that's been highly politicized, is either lying or is a Republican? Oh, yeah. I think the guy's a total crypto-Trumper. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, he also said that the Democrat, that we have liberals, that we have some sort of anti-white triumphalism, he said. I could not right. believe that. I'm like, that's insane. But anywho, yeah, and, it, and it's bad. And we were, unfortunately, I think we have to rely on Republicans because this thing with Russia, they were laundering money along with working in cooperation with Deutsche Bank in 2013. And this spy they just caught, they're going to trade him for Paul Whelan, apparently. Hmm. Now we're doing spy arrest, counter-spy, counter-espionage. And this guy was also, from 2015, wanted on some sort of uh, espionage. With Russia and China, it is getting dangerous. It's an extremely dangerous time, Dave, and uh, on, on a whole lot of fronts. I mean, it's not just in those two places. You've also got the danger of an eruption in the Middle East. You've got the danger, I think the biggest danger is, frankly, another 9-11 in the United States, a spectacular attack, a large-scale attack by some terrorist group. And, you know, whether it's uh, Muslim terrorists or whether it's somebody else, I mean, this is, you know, I think, frankly, that Trump would welcome something like that. He would love to be George W. Bush. Dave, thank you for the call. Yes, we need to impeach this guy now. And David Leonhardt has pointed out in the New York Times, we don't need to wait. We've got plenty of evidence of impeachable crimes right this second, and all of them are a whole lot bigger than lying about a BJ in the White House. Welcome back. Tim in Harpersville, New York. Hey, Tim, what's up? The cost of the immigrants that are coming into the country down the south, they are costing us a lot of money. In I don't believe that that's the case, Tim, outside of the cost of $700 a day to imprison people. But that all goes to private corporations that kick money back to Republicans. But the reality is that undocumented immigrants in this country are paying billions of dollars a month into Social Security and federal and state taxes. Now, I agree that people who are here without documentation should not be working in this country. But when Ronald Reagan in 1986 said, I'm going to break the unions in the construction industry and in the meatpacking industry by stopping the enforcement of the laws that would put wealthy white employers in jail if they hired people who are in the country without documentation, I'm going to break the back of these unions. He declared that and he did it. And those industries, those industries no longer are unionized industries because of that effort. And no president since then has gone back to saying we need to start putting white, wealthy employers in jail. Mitt Romney suggested this and they ridiculed him. He said, they, you know, people will self-deport if they can't work. It was true. 
by the way. Prior to 1986, you had about a million people coming north every year, and you had about a million people going south every year. They'd come here for the picking season, because agriculture, ever since the late 40s, had been the one industry that was exempted from that employers go to jail rule. Reagan exempted all industries from that rule as part of his campaign to destroy the unions, and you know it's worked. But the, the simple reality is, you're not going to stop people if they're offered a job. I mean, you know, I don't know if this is still going on, but it was certainly going on seven or eight years ago. There were broadsheets, because I, I saw them. There, there, there were newspapers like the shopping guide that you get at the local supermarket that are printed in Spanish, that are distributed south of the border from companies in the northern Midwest. Construction sites, meatpacking plants, agri big ag operations, uh, in some cases even fracking operations, saying if you can make it to North Carolina or to North Dakota, if you can make it to Nebraska, if you can make it to wherever, here's a job for you. These are help wanted ads. People are going to do anything to, to help their families. And not to mention, I mean, this is not even talking about the fact that most of these people who are coming into the country since 2009 are not looking for good jobs. They're actually trying to avoid being murdered in their home country because of U.S. foreign policy. But the simple fact of the matter is that if we started prosecuting employers, you would shut down that entire business. Romney was right about this. Tim, thanks for the call. Alan in Seattle. Hey, Alan, what's up? <laughs> Hi, Tom. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. to me how the Republicans create these crises and then they and then they yell and scream about them with absurdly expensive solutions that are going to kick money back to their contractor buddies. And then once they they even pretend to solve the problems that they created, they want credit for it. It just boggles my mind. Sorry, Alan. Yeah, back hello? to you. Yeah. You're talking about Trump and all the things he's doing, but he wouldn't get away with this if he didn't have his enablers in Congress, Mitch McConnell being one of the lead ones. Yep. In this whole manufactured crisis, Trump is going to go out and use uh, military money to build his wall. Right. That's an executive action. Well, if I remember correctly, DACA was an executive order from Obama because Congress... <laughs> Wouldn't that? Wouldn't discuss immigration. Yeah, but it wasn't one that appropriated money. It used True, DACA it used the existing immigration system and simply changed you know specific criteria. So Obama could do that by executive order. What you can't do by executive order is spend money. The Constitution is very clear about that. Spending money right. is the sole right. province of the House of Representatives, right? Or but Congress the, more generally, but it has to always you know, originate in the House. Yeah, it certainly set the Republicans' hair on fire because, oh my God, he's overstepping his you know presidential yeah. authority, and yet this Congress or the recent Republican Congress didn't do anything. Yeah, no, you're absolutely so, right, Alan. I want to get one more caller in here. I just have a minute left in the show. Cartel in Lancaster, Texas. Good afternoon, Mr. Hartman. My name is Cartel Adams, and I'm a first-time caller. Thank you. I just wanted to say that. I'm very disappointed in our democracy. You know, when a person can lose practically about three million votes and still get elected. And, uh, you know, I don't think we have slavery anymore. You know, where 50 million people, one million people have the same voting power. Yeah. No, Vincente Fox the other day, uh, uh, the former president of Mexico, referred to Donald Trump as the president of the Electoral College rather than the president of the United States. Cartel, and thank yeah. you for the call. It's spot on. It is not possible to have a functioning democracy, a functioning republic, if the people are not well-informed and engaged, right? We've got to do that. It doesn't work without that. And that means you can't just sit back and complain about it. 
You've got to get out there and get active. Tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 